What is up, everybody? This is your main man, Tyler, here back again with the Around the Bases podcast, here for week two of the college softball season. Looking forward to a lot of great games again this week, um, and we're going to get to those. Um, uh, two more conferences did release their preseason conference champion since I last recorded that opening uh, episode. The Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference, or the, as I call it, the MAAC, since it has two A's, um, picked the Canisius Golden Griffins as their champions, and the MAC, or MACTION, picked the Miami of Ohio Redhawks. Big Ten, I don't believe, picks a, a champion, preseason champion. I think that's just their tradition or whatever. Um, Personally, I think it's kind of dumb because I'd like to see where they think what it looks like by the end of the season compared to when it starts, but whatever. That's a soapbox for another day and not on this podcast. (laughs) Uh, But the Ivy League doesn't usually start play until the end of February, so I would anticipate that their preseason champion isn't going to come until closer to when their teams start playing. So that is what it is. Um, that having been said, let's go ahead and just dive into all the action from week one, starting on opening day Thursday. Deja Davis's RBI single in the bottom of the seventh wasn't enough to rally the Blue Devils as Washington got a huge opening day win over Duke, 4-3. to three as Silent Rain Espinoza's double in the top of the sixth was part of a three-run inning for the Huskies there. So Washington picks up a solid resume-building win on opening day. Um, So good for Washington. Duke played uh, well enough to get the victory, uh, but they just couldn't ultimately rally in the seventh. After coming back to escape Cal Baptist to open the season 3-2, North Carolina was able to shut down BYU to start the year 2-0 by picking up the win 2-0 over the Cougars. And again, I'm interested in North Carolina and what they would look like moving into the the season. Um, they did almost blow up. <laughs> they, um, they were down 5 to nothing against Elon earlier today because it's still Wednesday night. Um, but they were ultimately able to come back and win 9-5. to five. So that would have been a horrendous loss, but I think North Carolina is starting to move in the right direction. I mean, their losses were what? Oklahoma State and Ole Miss. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty, pretty good losses if, if you're going to lose. Uh, but Loyola Marymount took the early lead with a sack fly in the second, but Alana Valder shut them down the rest of the way as Stanford scored all six of their runs in the final three innings to take home the win 6-1 to to open the season for the Cardinal. Catherine Sandercock opened her season with a one-hit shutout as Florida State took down Lipscomb 3-0 at home. Florida State scored three runs in the bottom of the sixth to avoid the massive upset at home against Lipscomb in a 4-1 to win in the second game of that doubleheader. Virginia's Eden Bigham threw a nine-strikeout no-hitter as the Virginia Cavaliers took down the 
the Lamar team, uh, five to nothing out of the Southland. Cal Baptists, I mentioned they lost to North Carolina to open their season three to two. Well, their pitcher Hosick Presley threw a no hitter in their one nothing upset over Wisconsin. What would ultimately be considered my first upset of the year at the time, since I do these in chronological order by the time they finish. So that was my ultimately my first quote unquote upset of the year. Cassidy Krupitz Homer and four RBIs led Charlotte to the easy nine to one five inning run rule victory over South Carolina at home to start the season. Not only was her stat line impressive with the four RBIs, but she was doing it against her former team in the Gamecocks from South Carolina. So that's what made that all the more interesting to me. Julia Cottrell, she transferred from Oklahoma State, looked to be right at home in College Station as she went 4-for-4 four four with a double, a triple, and five RBIs to lead Texas A&M to an opening 12-2 five-inning uh, win over Tarleton. So, Julia Cottrell made a big splash on opening day for the Aggies. So, I will be interested to see what her stats will look like as we move into SEC play with quote-unquote tougher opposition and tougher pitching and whatnot. Uh, but Lauren Durkowski's nine strikeouts weren't enough as the post-Coach Hutchins era for Michigan started with a 2-1 to loss at South Florida in the bottom of the eighth thanks to a wild pitch. Huge win for South Florida to get at home against a Big Ten opponent. Um, Michigan didn't start out the way they wanted to, and that's why they're own, barely they're receiving votes in the ESPN uh, USA softball poll, but in the NFCA poll, coaches poll, they are 25th in this week's poll. So that'll be interesting to see how Michigan plays their season now, um, now that Coach Hutchins is gone. And I'm very intrigued to see how Michigan is going to look as we get to Big Ten play and what the, where they'll be um, ranked within the Big Ten. So let's move on uh, down in Orlando. Jaden Fields and Jaden Goodwin had some crucial hits in the top of the sixth to lift the Georgia, Georgia excuse me, Bulldogs past the Central Florida Knights 4-2, to as I mentioned, in Orlando. Uh, Central Florida missed out on a quality win that they could have gotten at home over an SEC team, top 15 team. Um, but as I'll note, as we go throughout this episode, Georgia's offense is absolutely elite and we will get into that uh, as more of their, um, uh, games. I recap their games and whatnot. Jordy Ball fired eight strikeouts as Oklahoma got past Duke four to nothing to open their season. Personally, I'm glad to see it wasn't a run rule victory. Maybe there is hope for the rest of the country to take down Oklahoma this year. And there will be other reasons for that, as I will get to, uh, another reason I will get to here shortly. 
Uh, but Hunter Ava's RBI single in the first, combined with Case and Korth's nine strikeout shutout, lifted BYU past Wisconsin one to nothing. So a good win for BYU as they head to the Big 12, uh, get ready to move to the Big 12 for next year. Jade Ignacio walks it off for San Diego State to open their season with a 5-4 win over Cal State Northridge, or known colloquially, colloquially as CSUN at home. And that probably would have been a very bad loss to take to open the season, but the Aztecs were able to pull it off thanks to Jade. Izzy Pacho's homer, 5 RBIs led Arizona to a 9-1 five-inning win over Long Beach State at home. I thought about putting that in my uh, on the schedule to watch for um, la- on last week's episode, but I figured, you know, Arizona, their offense is always going to be elite, uh, no matter who's coaching the Wildcats. But uh, I thought Long Beach State would play better. Um, but... It is what it is. Uh, they actually split a doubleheader with San Diego t- earlier today. So, <sighs> um, I had higher hopes for Long Beach State going against Arizona, but that's it was opening day. So, I'm not going to put a ton of stock into opening day only. But Megan Framo, she's back for UCLA. She threw a 13-strikeout one-hitter as UCLA scored the three runs in the final two innings to take down Cal State Fullerton at home 3 to nothing. Now, that's a California battle that I'm interested. Cal State Fullerton is known for playing tough out of the Big West. Um, and obviously, UCLA is a <laughs> number two in the country this week in the polls. Um so it's always fun to see UCLA go against their in-state foes, no matter how, whether it's Pac-12, Big West, whatever other conference that has California teams in it. It's always fun to see UCLA go against them. But Maryland, Maryland is interesting. Maryland's now ranked in the top 25, and we'll get into it here. Maryland put on five runs in the bottom of the first on Oregon, which ended up sinking the Ducks down in Mexico, down in Puerto Vallarta, as they took an early loss, 7-3. to Out of all the results of opening day, I think that was the most surprising one, because I didn't, I know, I knew, I saw Maryland in person last year, but it wasn't really impressive, but to be fair, they were playing Arkansas. Um, but this was a statement victory to start Maryland's season and propel them into the top 25 this week. Uh, I'm at this point, I'm very intrigued to see what Maryland does moving forward. Now that they are ranked in the top 25, can they sustain that success? Can they be able to push the envelope and get even higher even better in the rankings. I don't know that they can, but I'll be interested. They have the ACC Big Ten Challenge this weekend. I believe they play Virginia and North Carolina down in Chapel Hill, if I'm not mistaken. 
So it'll be interesting to see if Maryland can keep it going and keep their momentum rolling. But Nicole May's 10 strikeouts weren't enough to hold Liberty off the scoreboard as an error by Liberty's pitcher. Oh, excuse me. Nicole May's 10 strikeouts were enough to hold Liberty off the scoreboard as an error by Liberty's pitcher Carly Keeney led to a walk-off win for the Oklahoma Sooners as they picked up the hard-fought 1-0 victory in California. This surprised me from both sides. From both sides. Maybe Oklahoma is slightly vulnerable this year, or it's just opening day. I'll let you decide whether it's an overreaction to say, oh no, Oklahoma could lose some games this year, or, hey, it's opening day, they're getting the jitters out on a new season, they'll be perfectly fine as the top team in the nation. But I'll let you decide that. That's up for you guys to decide whether that's an overreaction or an underreaction. We'll see as the season plays out. Uh, But the final action from opening day on Thursday, Arizona State powered four home runs as they took down the San Diego State Aztecs on the road 8-2. Again, another team, the San Diego Aztecs, State Aztecs, that I think doesn't get enough attention, enough love. But I figured they'd play Arizona State a little bit closer, but Arizona State's always got that power. And even though they weren't in Tempe where that air is just prime for home runs, they were still able to power their way to the victory. So, uh, interested to see how the Sun Devils keep rolling, especially when they play at home. But let's move on to Friday's action, shall we? Mackenzie Wagoner's 10 strikeouts in four and two-thirds innings led North Texas to the 5 nothing win over Illinois-Chicago, or better known UIC, in the second game of the day for North Texas, without Grace Vesco in the circle for the St. Francis. North Texas steamrolled to an 8 nothing five-inning win over the Red Flash. Again, if Grace Vesco had been in the circle, I think it would have been a lot closer game. But North Texas's offense was good enough to get the job done, so there's no real problems there, in my opinion. And North Texas is ranked uh, in some polls, not the two main ones that I'm focused on. Um, and North Texas, they're receiving votes, so they're a decent squad that should be uh, taken note of this season. Back to George's offense, Jada Kearney's 4-for-4 four four day, 3 homers, 6 RBIs, led Georgia to the 11-4 to four win over Ohio State. Well, in Georgia's second game, Sidney Kuma was the star, as their offense stayed hot, cruising past the Broncos of Boise State 12-4 in 5 innings, thanks to her double home run and 6 RBIs. So between those two games, Jada Kearney and Sidney Kuma combined for 12 RBIs across the two games and four home runs. Georgia's offense is absolutely rolling and mind-boggling right now, and we'll 
talk about that when I get to the stats portion, the team stats. Um, it's if Georgia's offense can sustain this type of success, Georgia could be a legitimate threat in the NCAA tournament to anyone they face. They just need to figure out their pitching situations, and then they can take off from there. Uh, but Emma Lemley's nine strikeout one hitter led Virginia Tech to a six nothing win at UNC Wilmington. Freshman Carissa Hamilton's double home run and four RBIs led Kentucky to the eight nothing five inning win over their in-state rivals from Louisville. All right, nowhere were we. Let's see. Annabelle Weidra, the Michigan transfer, felt right at home on the Plains as she threw a 10-strikeout two-hitter in her first start with Auburn in a 6-0 win over St. John's at the NFCA leadoff classic down in Florida. Down in Clearwater, actually. But Maddie Penta's 11 strikeouts in five innings led Auburn to a 9-0 six-inning win over Fordham to open their season at 2-0. Between Annabelle Weidra and Maddie Penta, Auburn could be a legit problem in the NCAA, uh, the SEC and the NCAA tournament. If and I'll, let's and that's not even to mention they have prob- possibly one of the best. Um, best hitters in the nation and Bree Ellis, who I don't think I have mentioned on this week's podcast, but I'm sure I'll have her stats at some point throughout the season, probably multiple times, to be honest with you. So Auburn's going to be, Auburn's going to be tough. I'm just calling that now. Uh, but Oregon stranded two runners on base to bounce back from their loss to Maryland as they took down Wisconsin 4-2 down in Mexico. Texas, and we'll talk about Texas uh, when I get to Sunday's action, but Texas absolutely smoked Missouri 11-1 to open their season. Fun fact, Texas has never lost a season opener in their 27-year history. Just, uh, just a little bit of a fun fact, a little bit of a tidbit there for you. But moving on, Lauren Lucas had two doubles, a home run, six RBIs, and a four for four day to lead Wichita State in their twelve to one five inning win over Villanova. Well, later that day, Wichita State finished the day with a 3-2 win at Texas State, which will build their resume because Texas State is solid with Jessica Mullins in the circle. Um, And Wichita State, the Shockers, were able to go down there to San Marcos and get a victory and put a little bit of padding on their resume early to open the season. Now, South Florida wasn't able to recreate their magic after taking down Michigan at home as Abigail Knight's three-run homer in the top of the seventh lifted Boston College to the victory 4-2. to That's a good win for the Boston College Eagles. 
Now, I was worried about South Florida's pitching now that Georgina Cork has graduated. It seems like pitching may not be their biggest concern. Their biggest concern might be their offense. Um, but that's something that'll get, I am sure, will get figured out in time. But here's the big one the big one. Emily Semino is the hero as her three run double in the top of the seventh lifted the Lehigh Mountain Hawks to a absolutely massive upset of Alabama on Alabama's field, mind you, because this is the first time they're opening the season at home since 2010. Her final stat line ended up being two doubles, including that game winner in the seventh, a home run, and five RBIs. So she alone took down Alabama by herself, essentially. First season opening loss for Alabama since 2010, since that season they opened at home. Also, Lehigh's first ever top 10 victory. So, kudos to the Mountain Hawks for getting an absolutely massive win. They didn't pitch Montana Fouts in that game, which I would attribute to why they lost that game. But Samino did get that double off of Fouts. So... Just let's just let that be there. Uh, but later that day, Montana Fouts responded by throwing 16 strikeouts in Alabama's 8-2 win over Georgia Southern. Northwestern survived South Alabama and Olivia Lackey as they scored four runs in the top of the seventh to take the win 8-5 before their massive showdown with Texas. Northwestern was able to come back and take down the Longhorns <coughs> excuse me, in what could ultimately be considered a classic as the Wildcats picked up a 10-9 victory that could be used for seeding purposes when we get to the NCAA Tournament and Selection Sunday. Abby Dunning throws an 8-strikeout no-hitter as Boston College took down Illinois State for nothing. She also walked eight batters, but I won't make a big deal out of that. She threw the no-hitter. She got her job done. Didn't allow a run. Didn't allow a hit. So, kudos to Abby Dunning. Glad to see we have another no-hitter on this, the docket. Caitlin Felton's 13-strikeout one-hitter led Central Florida to the 7-1 victory over UMass at home. Now, moving on... <clears throat> Still on Friday's action, yet again, Liberty played a tough opponent close and took them to extra innings, but Duke ultimately prevailed with the 8-5 victory in 8 innings. Now, some people may have noticed this. I'm, if you're listening to this and you follow college softball, this may or may not be a well-known fact. But Liberty has a knack for playing with top opposition very close early in the season. But they ultimately aren't able to get that victory and get a, re a, a supremely a deserving win that would absolutely boost their resume come tournament time. That's... It's been the Flames. They schedule probably one of the hardest non-conferences 
in the country. So kudos to Dot Richardson, the head coach there, for that. Um, but they just, it's every year it seems like they only get a one, maybe two wins over a top 25 team. But they're good enough to smack around everybody else pretty much. So it's one of those things. Like, Liberty's talented. No, There's no doubt about that. But it's just tough for them to be able to get over the hump and get that signature victory that they could use as a point for their case in a selection uh, for a, a better seed come selection show Sunday on um, in May. But... Uh, Sam Landry threw a 13-strikeout perfect game for the Ragin' Cajuns as they opened their season at home with a 12-0 five-inning win over Lafayette. Not Louisiana. <laughs> this is the Lafayette from the Patriot League in the Northeast. Uh, but Caleb Beaver threw 15 strikeouts in Central Arkansas's 2-0 win over Idaho State. Morgan Hess threw 13 strikeouts in Presbyterian 7-0 win over Bellarmine. Zeta Pooney's two homers, eight RBIs, paced Tennessee as they absolutely smacked Howard around 21-1 in five innings. Cameron Myers' 10 strikeouts lifted Omaha to a slightly stunning 5-1 win over Iowa State. And then Emma Dighton's... Home run, four RBIs, lifted Drake to a 5-1 win over Iowa State. Now, Iowa State's not a powerhouse. They're not, I mean, they're pretty much the bottom of the Big 12, but uh, you would expect Iowa State to take down Omaha and Drake, especially Drake, now that a lot of their really top talent is gone. But here come the Cyclones losing games that they probably should be winning. But, you know, <laughs> the only thing they can do is just regroup and see what they can do in their next games. Reese Basinger throws 13 strikeouts and Winthrop's 5-0 win over North Carolina A&T. Tori Nishi shuts down the Nebraska offense as she lifted the South Dakota State Jackrabbits to the 1-0 win. Gabby Williams, 10 strikeouts, lead UC San Diego to the 4 nothing win over Stonehill. And Stonehill is a new Division I program, so they're likely ineligible in, across all of their sports for any postseason play, so just keep that in mind if we talk about Stonehill at any point this year. Kelly Maxwell put on a masterpiece, throwing a 15-strikeout two-hitter as Oklahoma State gets a 3-0 win over Oregon down in Mexico. Just Kelly Maxwell picking up where she left off last year. Savannah Rodriguez throws a 12-strikeout perfect game for Western Illinois and their 2-0 win over the Titans of Detroit Mercy. Yanira Acuna saves Arizona State from an absolutely embarrassing loss to Northern Illinois with a double in the bottom of the seventh to pick up the walk-off 4-3 victory. Again, Arizona State, usually their offense is flying, but Northern Illinois, I guess, had the pitching for that game to be able to quiet their bats. 
Florida rolls past Boston University, the Terriers, with an 11-2 five-inning win in Tampa. Boston University opened that day by smacking South Florida 8-0 in five innings. Really quite shocking, to be honest. I didn't expect the Terriers to split the day. I expected Florida and South Florida to pretty much roll them, but... Got to give credit to Boston University for picking up at least one win out of that game with their double dip with the Florida teams. Prim, forgive me if I'm saying this name wrong, uh, Primrose Aholales. Aho, <laughs> I get it. Primrose Aholales. Nope. Primrose Aholales. Ten strikeouts led Texas A&M Corpus Christi past Murray State one nothing. Forgive me for pronouncing your name wrong. Mississippi State survived the scare from Loyola Chicago as they got the 5-4 victory. Southeastern Louisiana opened their series with Missouri State with a 2-1 nail-biting victory. Malin Ruby throws a 10-strikeout one-hitter as Washington was able to handle Liberty with relative ease as they picked up the 8-0 six-inning win. Jane Cronenberger's home run for RBIs lifted Notre Dame past Arizona State 7-1. And my initial analysis is Arizona State team does not look good right now. They're still ranked for now, but they just don't look good coming out of the gate. But Notre Dame followed up that solid win by losing at San Diego State 3 to nothing. So it all comes full circle, apparently. <laughs> Softball can be a funny game that way. Blake Nelliman's 13 strikeout two hitter lifts Georgia Tech past UConn 2 to 1 at home. Isabella Smith threw a complete game and finished with 11 strikeouts as Campbell scored five runs in the top of the 12th to get the win at Charlotte. One of the longest games Charlotte has ever played, both in the 12th, both went to the 12th inning, and both were against Campbell, oddly enough. Just a fun little fact there for you. McKenna Gibson had a good day with a homer and four RBIs to pace the Lady Vols offense in a 9-2 victory over Illinois for Tennessee. Grayson Coleman's double home run five RBIs were part of a big effort in Texas A&M's 10-0 five-inning win over Tarleton. Arkansas handled UNLV on the road with pretty much relative ease, 11-0 in five innings. I figured it'd be a little bit tighter, but apparently UNLV is not the greatest as of right now in the season. Uh, but Central Florida's Chloe Evans saves the Knights by hitting a walk-off two-run homer to overshadow the fact that they blew a 7-1 lead at home against Boise State. Ultimately, it didn't matter as they ended up with the win 9-8 anyway. So, the resiliency of both the Boise State Broncos and Central Florida was on display in that game, but Chloe Evans was just a little bit better. And then finishing off Friday, Oklahoma flexed its muscle by taking down Stanford 10-1 in six innings. 
So let's move on to Saturday's action. Sidney Shambley's two doubles, five RBIs, sparked Georgia's offense to roll to a 13-3 five-inning win over at UMass. Pitt pulls off a stunning upset at the NFC Elite-Off Classic, taking down Auburn 8-7, holding them off in the seventh. Now, to be fair, neither Annabelle Weidra or Maddie Penta were in the circle to give up those eight runs. But later that day, Maddie Penta threw 11 strikeouts in a shutout of Indiana to give the Tigers a nice rebound 9-0 victory. Lauren Krings goes the distance as Missouri picked up a huge victory over the Northwestern Wildcats down in Clearwater 6-1. Very good resume-building win for the Tigers. Reagan Walsh's two homers, six RBIs, are part of a uh, massive offensive output in Florida's 21-0 five-inning win over Illinois State. Sidney Sickles fires an astounding 21 strikeouts as Illinois survived the scare from Fordham in a 6-4 nine-inning victory. Oregon got a big win down in Mexico, taking down Ole Miss 9-3, so that's a good victory for Oregon. Ole Miss takes a little bit of a hit. Um, no big deal for them. They can just rebound. They have the SEC, so no big deal there. Kendra Lamb throws a 12-strikeout one-hitter as Louisiana takes down Lafayette again. This time it was only 6 to nothing. Toledo's Aaron Hunt threw a 12-strikeout one-hitter to help lift the Rockets past Bellarmine 2-0. Or, excuse me, 2-0. Sorry. Let my soccer, my love for soccer slip in a little bit there. Um, then Bellarmine's day went from bad to worse as Jenna Green threw a 9-strikeout no-hitter as Presbyterian got the 4 nothing win against them. So, credit to Jenna Green and the Blue Hose for getting that done. Drake then took down Iowa State again with a 4-3 victory. Again, I just don't know why the Cyclones can't beat Drake. It, it doesn't make sense to me, but... It is what it is, and that's the game of softball. You play the games, you move on, and you try to get better with each game and improve on things that are sometimes out of your control, sometimes in your control. But LSU absolutely annihilated Oregon State at home, 12 to nothing in five innings. Sidney Burzone threw a one-hitter shutout in that game. I don't even, personally, I didn't even know who that was <laughs> coming into this season, but I'm going to have to put a little bit of respect on her name as I move forward throughout the season. Uh, Iowa picked up a solid win over Mississippi State, 2 nothing. The toothpaste, oh, excuse me, Colgate. Picked up a big win over Minnesota with a 4-3 victory. So, good for the Colgate Raiders to get a huge victory. Sarah Harness threw 11 strikeouts in 6 innings as Nebraska downed Lamar 7-0. Chloe Evans' double in 3rd proves to be the difference in Central Florida's 1-0 win over Ohio State at home. Giselle Tapia's three RBIs led Duke to the 4-2 win over Stanford. A good win for Duke. Stanford 
if Alana Vauder's not on her game, it might be tough. Or Reagan Krause, if they're not on their game, then it might be hard for the Cardinal to win big-time games. Uh, but we'll see as we move forward. Uh, JoJo Hyatt's double seven RBIs paced Clemson's offense in an 11-3 six-inning victory over Georgia State. A fielding error by the third baseman sinks Mississippi State as they took an absolutely massive stunning loss to, of all teams, Stony Brook, one to nothing. The Seawolves out of the CAA took down an SEC team in Mississippi State. Now, Mississippi State's obviously going to be on the lower end of the SEC this year, but that is nonetheless shocking as can be. Emily Darwin throws a seven-strikeout perfect game for Grand Canyon in an 8-0 win over Green Bay. Sage Hoover throws a no-hitter in Texas Tech's 4-0 win at UT Arlington, or UTA for short. New Mexico pulls off a stunning 8-0 five-inning run rule victory over Oregon State down in Baton Rouge. Needless to say, Oregon State having a rough start to their season. Uh, Frankie Hamoudi and the rest of their cast, Sarah Hendigas, need to f- get, get, do a little soul-searching after this opening weekend to see if they can regroup and figure it out. Kira Buckner throws an 11-strikeout one-hitter in Long Island's 4 nothing win over Binghamton. Weber State shuts down UNLV on the road to pick up the 4 nothing victory, so good for the Wildcats, as they had a rough opening weekend as well. UNLV's wasn't that much better, to be honest. Forgive me. It is Thursday morning, 12-10 now, so. Tori Nietzsche throws a 9-strikeout no-hitter in South Dakota State's 2-0 win over Sam Houston. Now, I mentioned Liberty in their knack for not being able to pull off a massive win or massive resume-building win. Well, Longwood has that ability. They took down Georgia two years ago. Last year, they took down Wichita State and Illinois, both very good teams last year. So Longwood did it again, pulling off a massive upset as they took down Florida State 5-4 to in Tallahassee, the highest-ranked highest ranked win in Longwood's program's history. The Lancers have a knack for pulling off massive upsets early in the season every year now, so it's something that you have to look out for. And I have, I think I have a couple games of Longwoods on the schedule to look out for this week, but we'll get to that later. Catherine Sandercock firmly responded later that day by throwing nine strikeouts and an 8-1 victory over Purdue. Central Arkansas picked up a quality win at McNeese State with a 2-1 victory. The Sugar Bears, as they are known. Um, always a decent mid-major. Uh, I mean, so is McNeese State, for that matter. But um, Central Arkansas was able to pick up the quality win on the road. Taylor Tinsley threw a no-hitter for UCLA in their 8-0 five-inning win over Cal State Bakersfield at home. Washington had runners on second and third with no outs 
in the seventh, and Nicole May stranded them to lift Oklahoma past the Huskies 5-4. to four. So if Washington had brought home at least one of those two runners, they would have gone to the bottom of the seventh, and who knows what would have happened with Oklahoma's offense. But Oklahoma, again, another close game that they were able to survive and stay unbeaten thus far. Finally, to round off Saturday, Lexi Kilfoyle, the Alabama transfer, was the star of the show in Oklahoma State's 3-2 win over North Carolina down in Mexico. She had 12 strikeouts in six and a third innings, as well as a home run in all three RBIs for the Cowgirls in that game. So it's nice to see Lexi Kilfoyle's adjusting well to her surroundings with her new team down there um, with Oklahoma State. Alright, now that we've moved through all of Saturday's action, again, now that we're done with Saturday's action, let's move on to Sunday. The end of the opening weekend. Lindsay Wall Jasper, as she transferred from Charlotte to Boise State, got smacked around as Georgia rolled to the 14-1 five-inning win over the Broncos down in Orlando. And I'll just attribute that to a tough start to the season, but I think Lindsey Wall Jasper is better than that. Uh, but Taya Bird's two-run homer in the bottom of the sixth saves the Oregon Ducks from a loss in a 4-3 victory over North Dakota State down in Mexico. Uh, Ashley Rogers throws 13 strikeouts in the Lady Vols 6-0 win over Northwestern. So Northwestern takes another loss, this time Tennessee. Allison Smith throws a 10-strikeout shutout in Ohio State's 1-0 win over UMass. Grace Vesco got tagged by Georgia State as Dennis Chandler threw a one-hitter in a 7-0 win for, over St. Francis. Reese Atwood's double homer, five RBIs, led Texas to a 7-0 win over Illinois. Najari Kennedy throws a 10-strikeout no-hitter for Stanford in their 8-0 five-inning win over Liberty. Arkansas has an offensive showcase with Baylor out in Las Vegas, uh, but ultimately the Razorbacks picked up the 11-7 win over the Bears of Baylor. Valerie Cagle throws 11 strikeouts in a 4-0 win for the Clemson Tigers over Florida Atlantic. No surprise, Valerie Cagle doing what she does best. Now, Megan Faramo throws an 8-strikeout no-hitter, combined with Maya Brady's two home runs, four RBIs, led UCLA to the 14-0 5-inning route of San Diego in the first game of their doubleheader. Second game of the doubleheader, Maya Brady's three-run homer walked it off to lift the Bruins to the 5-2 victory. Again, the Toreros able to almost split a doubleheader. It's becoming quite a theme with this Toreros squad led by MJ Hampton. Or, excuse me, no, MJ Knighton, excuse me. Got my name, my names are getting crossed up in my head right now because it's late at night. 
Uh, but Jessica LeBeau throws a nine strikeout no hitter in Michigan's nine one six inning win over Portland State. Florida State avenged their upset loss to Longwood with a five nothing win to cap their weekend down in Tallahassee. Ashley Miller throws eleven strikeouts in Michigan State's three one loss to Northern Kentucky. Texas State scored seven runs in the third inning to take down Wichita State at home. So Texas State was able to split the two games that they played with Wichita State. So that's good for them. Although I'm sure they'd rather have had the two-game sweep. But now let's talk about the fun situation from the NFCA leadoff classic down in Florida. Because of a drop-dead time... Kentucky and Texas's game went back to the last full inning, which meant that the game ended in a 4-4 tie, even though Kentucky took the lead in the top of the eighth. Now, I've read articles and things saying that Texas's coach Mike White knew that of this drop-dead time that Kentucky had to leave by in order to make flights and whatnot and that he basically extended the game to make sure that the drop-dead time was reached, knowing the rule that the last full inning would count as the final score, so that they wouldn't take a loss to another team like Kentucky after their loss earlier in the weekend. There's a place to be had for gamesmanship and sportsmanship. This was not the place for Mike White to do that, just because he didn't want to take another loss. Sportsmanship took a hit during this game and it's not right and it needs to be addressed a lot more heavily throughout the softball community than what I've just seen by that one article. Uh, but move, I'll leave that. That's a soapbox. I'm not, I'm not here to do soapboxes. Kenna Wilkie's 11 strikeouts lifted Houston past Delaware 1-0 win at home. Maryland continued their impressive opening weekend, taking down Oklahoma State 11-6 down in Mexico. Again, this Maryland team is looking impressive thus far to start the season, and I like what I'm seeing from their squad. Michaela Smith's two solo homers lifted North Texas to a 3-1 win at Georgia Tech. So another good, I mean, Georgia Tech's not the best team in the ACC. They're lower ACC, but it's good for North Texas to get these wins on the road. Savannah Rodriguez throws an 11 strikeout shutout in a 3-0 victory for Western Illinois over Bowling Green. I didn't mention Saturday's game, but Southeastern Louisiana finished the home sweep of the Missouri State Bears with a 7-1 victory. So the Lions picked up a solid uh, sweep to open the season. Allie Kilponen's 10 strikeout one hitter lead lifted LSU past Oregon State at home 3 nothing. Louisville picked up an absolutely outstanding win, taking down Missouri 4 nothing in Clearwater. They're starting to receive votes. And since I have a good friend of mine, Hannah File, on that Louisville team, now, I won't talk about uh, injuries that may have happened, that happened during that week. 
or that weekend. But Louisville, I'm glad to see that they got a big win and they're being rewarded with a couple votes in the top 25 on the ESPN USA softball poll. Loyola Marymount got off to an early 2-0 lead at home, but Washington was able to storm back and pick up the 5-2 win on the road. Cal State Fullerton handed the Cal Golden Bears their first loss of the season as they got the win at home, 6-2. UNLV scored 12 runs in the 5th and 6th inning to take down Weaver State at home, 12-4. Essentially splitting their two games that they played against each other this weekend. Leanna Johnson's 11 strikeouts weren't enough as Troy surprisingly fell at home to Belmont 4-2 to two in 8 innings. Certainly a very shocking result for me, personally, uh, being as Troy is going to be one of the teams I'm going to see JMU play in person this year. And I will get to see probably Leanna Johnson pitch at least two games. Uh, but Nichols played LSU tough in Baton Rouge, but couldn't pull off the upset as the Tigers got the 4-3 win over the Colonels. And then the round out Sunday, Oklahoma State rebounded uh, from their loss to Maryland by shutting down Ole Miss 3-0. Of course, still down in Mexico. Moving on to Monday's action. Jenna Lord's two-run single in the bottom of the sixth lifted Ole Miss past North Dakota State down in Mexico 5-3 in what was the second game of their doubleheader. The first game was an 8-0 blowout in the Rebels' favor, so I'm not going to mention anything from that game. Moving on to Tuesday's action, as those were the only two games on Monday. Mallory Black's two homers, five RBIs, led Georgia Tech to the 10-1 five-inning win at Georgia State. As they scored eight runs in the fifth to put the Panthers away. And then Megan Faremo's 13 strikeouts plus Kennedy Powell's RBI single in the fifth lifts the UCLA Bruins to the 3-2 home victory over Liberty. Again, Liberty playing a very tough team, the number two team in the nation now, the UCLA Bruins. And if you didn't know, their head coach, Dot Richardson, is a UCLA alum. So that's a point of pride for her playing against her alma mater. Again, they played another close game, but ultimately not able to pick up the big win. Now let's move to yesterday's, uh, or Wednesday's action. But it took nine innings, but South Dakota State took the first game of a doubleheader at Stephen F. Austin 2-0. And what a doubleheader it ended up being down in ten, and that was in nine innings, I, as I mentioned. What a doubleheader it was down in Texas, as the Stephen F. Austin Lumberjacks, or Lady Jacks, however you want to say it, walked it off in the eighth inning to take game two, seven to six, over the Jackrabbits. So they split the doubleheader. Both games went to extra innings. I don't really know what more you could ask for from a doubleheader than what those two put out uh, yesterday. So that was very entertaining to follow. 
but KK Ladner had 11 strikeouts in five and two-third innings for Southeastern Louisiana in their 5-4 walk-off victory over Louisiana Tech at home. Now, Louisiana Tech isn't exactly the softball program that they were even a few years ago, but it's still a good win for the Lions on their home field. And then to round out the week's action, home runs galore, as Missouri was able to pick up a very solid win on the road at Central Florida in an 11-8 offensive dogfight. There were home runs all over the place. It was a very fun offensive game. And to be honest, that's what I love more than anything, is an offensive game. I like offense. Offense is fun. Um, But anyway, let's move on to the Week 2 schedule. I will talk about the Tax Act Clearwater Invitational in a minute, so none of these games that I'm going to be mentioning here now are a part of that. These are all separate from that event. So today, Thursday, Wichita State at San Diego State, very intriguing game. The Shockers going to California to take on the Aztecs. Now, I know what Wichita State's capable of. I know what San Diego State is capable of. Will San Diego State being at home be enough to be able to lift them to an upset victory of Wichita State? I'm not entirely sure, but I'm very intrigued to find out. Ole Miss and Liberty will be playing down in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, so Ole Miss stayed down there another week. Liberty is heading there from California. And lastly, BYU at Arizona State. BYU had some good, uh, a couple of good games over the weekend, Arizona State. They're at home now. Is their offense going to return to what it looks like normally? I would think so, being as the Tempe air is so ripe for home runs galore. Maybe not necessarily this early in the season, but regardless, it's, it'll be interesting to follow. Friday, cinch, or tomorrow, Central Arkansas and Utah might not be a game that comes across as intriguing to many, but it is to me because I know what Central Arkansas is capable of, and I know Utah is the in the lower half of the Pac-12. Coming off of that, Utah at LSU. I don't think Utah will beat LSU, but I'm interested to see how they play LSU. Down in Mexico, again at Puerto Vallarta, Cal State Fullerton Ole Miss. This is another situation. I know what Cal State Fullerton is capable of. I want to see, can they get the job done? BYU at Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon is a relatively new program in softball. And I'm very intrigued. They've been able to pull off a few massive upsets in the past. I wouldn't consider it a like a, a David versus Goliath situation here because it's just BYU, but I'll be intrigued to see how the game is played. 
LMU at San Diego State. Again, Loyola Marymount, I know what they're capable of. I know what the, um, I know that they're capable of big upsets. Now, again, it wouldn't be a huge upset to beat San Diego State, but I know that they're capable of playing a really good game. Wichita State, Boise State. Uh, this is mainly just because I want to. I'm keeping Boise State in my periphery for at least another week. If they don't fall flat this week, then I'm pretty sure Boise State's going to fall off my radar. Uh, Stanford and Charlotte, very interesting matchup. I am very intrigued to see Alana Valder against the Charlotte offense and Bailey Vinoy. That's going to be a fun matchup if they decide to throw her against Charlotte. But what I think they're going to do is save her for when they're playing against Georgia in at Georgia. Alana Valder versus that Georgia offense, I am very much here for it, and I am very much ready to see how that game plays out. Now, most of you wouldn't have Kentucky at McNeese State a big game, but again, I, I know what McNeese is capable of, and I'm very intrigued to see what they can do against Kentucky on their field. Northwestern at Clemson, huge showdown uh, in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Um, They'll play Friday, um, so I'm looking forward to seeing how those two match up. You get Danielle Williams against Valerie Cagle. Should be fun. Longwood, we've I've mentioned their prowess for taking down Goliath, uh, Davids, or Goliath, excuse me. They get another one in Oklahoma. I, I don't think Longwood's going to beat Oklahoma. In fact, I think it'll be a run rule, but I'm intrigued to see if they can not get run ruled. Virginia and Maryland has crept up onto my radar. It wouldn't have been if I didn't know that Virginia was undefeated coming out of opening weekend, which sets up an even more intriguing, a, a more tasty matchup now that Maryland is ranked in the top 25. And then lastly on Friday, South Dakota State at Texas State. I'm very intrigued to see the Jackrabbits face off against Jessica Mullins. Whether she's pitching in the circle or not. But um, I want to see what the Bobcats have for the Jackrabbits. Moving on Saturday. Again, another Utah-LSU matchup. Cal State Fullerton will take on Tennessee. I think Cal State Fullerton has a better chance of beating Ole Miss than Tennessee, but we'll see. And forgive me if that rhymed. Oregon at San Diego State. Uh, this would have been intriguing in recent memory with Maggie Ballant tra transferring from <laughs> being at both schools in recent years. Uh, but she's no longer at either program, so... I'll still be interested to see if San Diego State can take down Pac-12 Oregon on their home field. I mentioned Northwestern. They'll be at Clemson. Well, they'll also take on Notre Dame as part of the uh, ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, Notre Dame's either receiving votes or right near the top 25, so that should be fun for them to face off against Danielle Williams. 
Longwood, again, will be at Baylor. Longwood has a definite chance of beating Baylor. Would I say they will beat them? No, I won't go that far. Kentucky at North Texas is a very interesting matchup. Because North Texas has shown they're capable of big, big things now. And getting Kentucky at home is going to be huge for that program. Liberty in Tennessee. Again, Liberty. I've already mentioned them enough. So them taking on Tennessee is very intriguing. Oregon, Loyola Marymount. Again, Loyola Marymount, I know what they're capable of. Can they take down Oregon? Another Stanford-Charlotte matchup. Another Stanford at Georgia matchup. Central Arkansas at LSU. Central Arkansas has been known to play LSU extremely tough. And I want to see if Central Arkansas can pull off the upset. Northwestern at Clemson again. Virginia, Maryland again down in Chapel Hill. South Dakota State, Texas State at Texas State again. And then an off-the-radar one. The preseason um, Patriot League champs, the Boston University Terriers against the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference preseason champs, Canisius. That's an off-the-beaten-path game that I think is actually going to be very intriguing to keep up with and watch. So if you're into mid-majors and really looking for a team that is off your the norm the national radar, I think that's the game for you. Moving on to Sunday, Cal State Fullerton Liberty. Again, two very intriguing teams. I'm looking forward to it. Oregon State at Grand Canyon. I already mentioned their game against um, who BYU. So I'm interested to see what they can do against Oregon State. I think they definitely have a shot at beating Oregon State, given how Oregon State has looked thus far this season. Notre Dame and Northwestern again. Oklahoma at Baylor, so a, a early Big 12 matchup, <laughs> which won't count towards the Big 12 standings, as far as I'm aware. So that'll be intriguing. North Texas will host McNeese State, so that'll be fun to see another Central Arkansas LSU. Charlotte at Georgia. I want to see what Bailey Vinoy can do against Georgia pitching. Again, South Dakota State at Texas State. Again, Boston University. Canisius. Another one, Western Kentucky against Campbell. I've watched Campbell do some good things for sure this past weekend. And I know what Western Kentucky is capable of. They proved that they were a very solid program last year, so I want to see what they can do this season. On Monday, I don't know how, but McNeese State gets Washington at home. One of the craziest matchups that I think I could have put together. Um... <laughs> I think Washington's going to blow the doors off of them, but I'm intrigued to see what the Cowgirls have in store for them. Tuesday, Louisiana at Central Florida. Two of the uh, best, shall we say, mid-majors out of the Sun Belt and the American going against each other in Orlando. That should be an extremely fun matchup. Kentucky at Loyola Marymount. 
Again, I've mentioned Loyola Marymount's prowess in the past. I'd love to see them take down Kentucky. Would do I think they'll do it? No, I don't. But that's the fun in what of the games. Georgia at Clemson, huge matchup. Um, I want to see if Valerie Cagle can shut down the Georgia offense that seems to be rolling through the first week of the season. And then South Alabama at McNeese State. Again, two mid-majors that are decent programs that I want to see go against each other. So let's move on to the Tax Act Clearwater Invitational. All right, let's start with the matchups of today, Thursday, down in Clearwater. <clears throat> At 10 a.m. on ESPNU, you can watch Oklahoma State against Texas A&M. Now, I would assume Kelly Maxwell, Lexi Kilfoyle, and everyone at Oklahoma State would beat Texas A&M, but I'm intrigued to see it nonetheless. 1 o'clock on the SEC Network, you got Duke and Alabama. Can Alabama refocus after dropping that game to Lehigh at home to be able to take down the Blue Devils? Be very interesting to see. Um, but 1 o'clock ESPNU, you got Louisiana, Indiana. I'm happy to see a Sunbelt team in the Tax Act Clearwater Invitational, especially Louisiana. Um, I certainly think they'll beat Indiana. I don't think Indiana will pose a threat to them. Uh, but later, at 4 o'clock on ESPNU, you got a huge showdown between Florida State and Arizona. Can't wait to see. Uh, I would assume Catherine Sandercock will go against that Arizona offense. Can she shut them down? On ESPN Plus at 4 o'clock, you can watch Nebraska-Oklahoma State. Uh, it'd be interesting to see Billy Andrews and Courtney Wallace going against... Lexi Kilfoyle and um, Kelly Maxwell and all of those um, talented players. And to round out Thursday schedule, Nebraska UCLA at seven on ESPN Plus. Moving on to Friday's action, ten a.m. ESPN Plus Arizona Texas A&M. 10 a.m. ESPNU, Virginia Tech, Oklahoma State. <clears throat> that would be the one I have my eyes on. Indiana, Mississippi State at 1230 on SEC Network. Duke and South Florida at 1 on ACC Network. Arkansas, Florida State at 1 on ESPNU. Mississippi State, Arizona at 3 on ESPN+. Plus. Central Florida, Michigan at 3 on ESPN+. Plus. Quite possibly the headliner of the entire tournament. Alabama, UCLA at 4 on ESPN2. Virginia Tech, Nebraska at 4 on ACC Network. Louisiana, Michigan Interesting at six on ESPN Plus. I think Louisiana has a much better chance of beating Michigan now that Coach Hutch is gone. 
Uh, but Arkansas Duke at six on ESPN Plus, and honestly, I that is absolute garbage that that is not on television. And rounding out Friday, Texas A&M and Central Florida at seven on ESPN Plus. Saturday's action. Another one that could be considered the crown jewel of the tournament. UCLA Florida State at 10 a.m. on ESPNU. Central Florida Duke at 10 a.m. on ESPN Plus. Oklahoma State Louisiana at 10.30 on ESPN Plus. That one's one I'll be tuned into. South Florida Texas A&M at 10.30 on ESSEC Network. Indiana Arkansas at 1 on ESPN Plus. Michigan, Oklahoma State at 1.30 on ESPN Plus. Texas A&M, Nebraska at 1.30 on ESPN Plus. Central Florida, Alabama at 2.30 on ESPN Plus. Another headliner, Virginia Tech, UCLA at 4 on ESPNU. Arkansas, Louisiana at 4.30 ESPN Plus. Michigan, Michigan. Michigan, Mississippi State at 5 on ESPN+, Plus, Alabama, Indiana at 6 on ESPNU, and rounding out the day, Arizona, Virginia Tech at 7 on ESPN+, Plus, which I think Arizona, Virginia Tech should absolutely be on TV, but it's my, whatever ACC Network has, they should take it off and put that game on, but that's just my opinion. And then rounding out the weekend with Sunday's action, Duke and Michigan at 9 a.m. on ESPN+, Nebraska-Arkansas at 9.30 on SEC Network, UCLA-Louisiana at 10 a.m. on ESPNU, I'll be intrigued to watch that one, Arizona-Indiana at noon on ESPN+, South Florida-Virginia Tech at noon on ESPN+, Louisiana, Florida State at 1 on ESPN+. Plus. Mississippi State, South Florida at 3.30 on ESPN+. Plus. And the quote-unquote headliner of the tournament, Florida State, Alabama at 5 on ESPN. And then rounding out the entire tournament, you got Mississippi State, Central Florida at 8 on ESPN2. Very excited for all of those matchups, and I can't wait to watch as many of those games as I possibly can. But let's move on to our final topic of the night, the stats. My favorite thing in the world. Starting with individuals, UCLA's Maya Brady is 5th in the nation in batting average with a .812. Wild. But to be fair, it is opening weekend, so we're not going to put a ton of stock in it. 99 players in the nation have a perfect ERA thus far, and this is through Monday's games. Or actually, I believe it'd be through Sunday's games, but either way. JMU's Alyssa Humphrey, second in the nation in strikeout per seven innings at 15.8. Alabama's Montana Fouts, third at 15.6. Louisiana's Sam Landry, fourth, 14.8. And Auburn's Maddie Pinta, fifth, 14.5. Wichita State's Sydney McKinney leads the nation in hits with 14. UCLA's Maya Brady comes in right behind her in second with 13. 
UCLA's Maya Brady, Georgia's Jada Kearney, and LSU's Taylor Pleasance are all tied for the nation's lead in home runs with four. Arizona's Carly Scoopin leads the nation in RBIs with 14. Maya Brady and Taylor Pleasance are tied for second with 13. And my favorite individual stat, Maddie Penta of Auburn leads the nation in strikeouts right now with 31. Michigan State's Ashley Miller second with 29. Central Arkansas's Kayla Beaver and Marshall's Sidney Nestor are tied for fourth with 26. And let's wrap up this episode with the team stats. Arizona leads the nation in batting average with .52. Clemson is second, .445. Crazy how big of a difference that is. Texas A&M third, .441. Georgia fourth, .433. And Louisiana's fifth, .433, based on less, uh, less at-bats. Western Carolina, Charleston Southern, Indiana State all tied for the lead, the nation's lead in ERA with a perfect zero. Texas A&M and UCLA tied for fourth with a .21. Twelve teams are perfect fielding percentage. Arkansas leads the nation in homers per game at 2.2, and there are plenty of teams tied for there are seven teams tied for second at two homers per game. Florida leads the nation in scoring, or runs per game, with 13.67. Arizona's second, 12.6. Tennessee third, 12 per game. Texas A&M fourth with 11.33. And Georgia rounds out the top five at 10.8. Now Georgia leads the nation in slugging percentage at .806. Texas A&M second, .769. Clemson third, .759. Louisiana 4th, 0.721, and then Arkansas rounds out the top 5.685. 37 teams in the nation are still perfect. I'm sure that number is still the same or pretty close to it. North Texas leads the nation in strikeout-to-walk ratio at 30. Alabama 2nd, 15.5. Auburn and Tennessee are tied for third at 13, and UCLA rounds up the top five with 12. Arkansas leads the nation in walks with 31. Cal, Fresno State, and Texas A&M are all tied for second with 30, and Minnesota and UTSA are tied for fifth with 29. And the last team stat I have for you is on-base percentage. Arizona leads the nation at .587. Florida 2nd, 0.582, Georgia 3rd, 0.542, Texas A&M 4th, 0.535, and Louisiana rounds out the top 5, 0.512. What what an absolutely fun ride the first week of the season has been. Looking forward to a great second weekend and showcasing the TaxAct Clearwater Invitational with all these great matchups across the ESPN networks. You got ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, ESPN+, ACC Network, SEC Network. It's going to be a fun time. There's no doubt about that. I'm very much looking forward to watching all these games, as should you. 
So do your best to take in as many of these games in Clearwater, if you're not already down there, as you can. It's, it's just a beautiful showcase for the game of softball to, in only the second week of the season. So enjoy the softball this week, everybody. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you again next week. Uh, probably on recording again late night, releasing on Thursday. Um, but have a great week, everybody. Enjoy the softball. This is your boy Tyler signing off with the Around the Bases podcast. See ya!